we know that this can truly affect your ability to create intergenerational wealth, right. to send your kids to college, yeah. to take out the money perhaps uh, from the equity of your home that you would like to use to start a business. I mean, these are the keys that allow us to unlock the American dream. Hi, I'm Spencer Christian. I've been a broadcast journalist and weathercaster for more than 50 years. And over those years, I've met many remarkable people, remarkable people with remarkable insight. Now, I'll be talking with them about the issues of the day and about their personal journeys. I'll even share a few of my own. So come join me after the weather, and we'll learn together. Hello, welcome to After the Weather. I'm your host, Spencer Christian. The Our America series, Lowball, was an 18-month-long investigation into the housing market and possible discrimination against people of color when it comes to home appraisals. Our own race and culture reporter, Julian Glover, is with us to talk about his long look into this topic. But we'll be doing this podcast in two parts, starting with a behind-the-scenes look into what it was like making the documentary. And in our second episode, we'll dive deeper into the topic. So, Julian, thanks for joining us. Great to have you with us for this discussion. Thank you so much for having me, Spencer. It is an absolute honor to be a featured guest uh, on your podcast. And like you mentioned, I can't wait for you and everyone to be able to see the uh, hard work that we've been putting into this documentary, Our America Lowball. Well, well, Julian, how did all this come about? How did this body of reporting start? In the most remarkable way, Spencer, uh, it started as one single story in February of last year, February of 2021. I was doing a report on uh, barriers uh, to entry into the home ownership market for black and brown families. And that's when I stumbled onto this almost unbelievable story out of Marin City uh, of that black family, the Austins, lowballed by half a million dollars in an appraisal. Unbelievable. that number, Spencer, right? It is an unbelievable Stunning. number. Yeah, it is. I mean, most homes all across the country don't cost half a million dollars. So when you talk about a family being cheated out of half a million dollars of equity, as you know, Spencer, I mean, that's the money that goes into creating intergenerational wealth to be able to yeah. have a nest egg to pass down on to your kids and to um, your kids' kids, right? Your grandkids. And that one story went viral, shared all across the world. I was hearing from folks in other countries saying, I can't believe how insidious racism still is in America today. And it's truly struck a chord uh, with families here in the Bay Area. And again, across the country, as so many of them reached out to share their stories. And so that's exactly what we did, Spencer. So now how did they realize that they have been uh, lowballed by such an incredibly huge amount? So they were trying to do a cash out refi uh, during in 2020. Uh, As you know, the pandemic hit us in early 2020. And that was a time when Americans wanted to stay in their homes. Uh, They weren't looking to go out and purchase new homes necessarily. They wanted to stay in their existing homes. Uh, They were looking to uh, update, remodel. And that's when a lot of folks were doing refinances to take on the extraordinary opportunity uh, to lock in historically low interest rates, but also maybe to take out some money to be able to do some of those home repairs to make the house that they live in feel more like home. And they were going to refinance their property and they were stunned by the amount that they uh, were offered, uh, that their home was valued rather in that appraisal, Mm -hmm. uh, just about $100,000 more than they had purchased the home for. And they knew they had done so much work already, adding an entire floor 
floor to the home, a deck. I mean, made the place absolutely gorgeous. Right. And they couldn't believe how little value they had gained. So that's when they decided to conduct their own experiment. They called one of their best friends who happens to be white. Mm-hmm. She stood in for them during the appraisal. They took down their family pictures, pictures of their kids. I mean, this is painful. They had to make the home look as if they were not the homeowners. They took down books. They took down artwork. They took down hair products, Spencer. Oh, my gosh. I mean, things you just wouldn't even think about. But it was convincing enough that the second appraiser who came out believed that a white woman lived in that home. And that's when the appraised value skyrocketed by almost half a million dollars, $493,000, an unbelievable amount. It was mission accomplished for the family because they proved that they were lowballed in that appraisal, exactly. but also gut-wrenching when they had to ask themselves, what's so bad about me? Yeah. What's so bad about my family and our culture uh, that we can't get what we deserve? This is disturbing on so many levels. Obviously, the first level is just the sheer under evaluation of their property. Uh, But to have to erase your identity and have someone stand in for you, and I'm not not saying this to be funny, but they literally whitewashed their existence so they could get a fair appraisal. That that has to be so, makes you feel so dehumanized. That's what I've heard from so many of the families that I've interviewed, Spencer, that have gone to those lengths. You know, some of the families said, I'm not doing that. All right. I'm not whitewashing my home. I'm not pretending that someone else lives here because I've done uh, so much. I've worked so hard to be able to get the things that I do have. Right. But for the families who did perform that erasure, right, uh, by whitewashing their homes, they all tell a very similar story of they were happy that they were able to prove the discrimination that they faced. But at the same time, they were so distraught that those were the lengths that they had to go to be able to prove it. Yeah. Um, that discrimination, racial discrimination obviously still exists and it's way more widespread than most people recognize. Even those of us who are being discriminated against are sometimes shocked at how insidious it is. But I saw that report, by the way, the one you've just described. It was a fantastic piece of reporting and a, a gripping story. But then what happened next? At what point did you feel, you know, there's more to be reported on here? We can do something larger than one report on the news. Well, Spencer, that's because my email inbox (laughs) didn't stop dinging. Uh, Seriously, you know, with families here in the Bay Area, but all across the country saying, oh, my goodness, I think this happened to me, too. I never thought about speaking up because no one had ever talked about it. No one ever spoke about it. And there was essentially no playbook to prove that they had been discriminated Uh, as a black man in America. Uh, Spencer, you know, I, I know because I've read your incredible autobiography, <laughs> Thank um, you. You, you know, that, that this is an issue uh, that we talk about around the dinner table, you know, acts yeah. of discrimination that we face both insidious and blatant. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you feel as though you can't prove it. And even if you can prove it, well, what's going to be done about it? It's just right. going to be shrugged off. So the Austins essentially gave families a playbook of what to do to be able to prove that they've been discriminated against. And so that onslaught of emails from, again, families all across the country saying, this happened to me too, is what led us to do follow-up reports. Uh, We ended up telling the stories of more than half a dozen uh, families in the Bay Area, including the former mayor of Stockton, uh, Michael Tubbs, who Mm -hmm. said, 
this has also happened to me too. I believe that I've been lowballed um, in a home appraisal. We eventually saw that these stories were picking up enough traction that it was getting the attention of the president of the United States. Wow. Uh, president Joe Biden um, holding a news conference on the centennial of the Tulsa race massacres yes. and said that the undervaluation of homes in predominantly black and brown neighborhoods is something that his administration was going to take on head on announcing an interagency task force of 13 uh, offices and agencies and many cabinet level secretaries that were going to be looking into this issue. And at that point, we certainly knew uh, that we had something that was way more than just one local report. This had some legs on it, and we were determined to take this all the way to the White House. My gosh. Now, what a, what kind of team was assembled uh, to assist you in this 18-month-long uh, compilation of information and stories for the documentary? So in the initial local report, uh, that was essentially me uh, assisted with, uh, assisted by rather, the fantastic folks with the data journalism team uh, based at KGO, ABC7 News, mm -hmm. um, and a number of our ABC-owned and operated television stations across the country. Once we got to the point where we said, all right, we're, we're going to you know, plant our, our flag, essentially, and say, this is an issue we're going to take all the way. Uh, we were able to assemble a team, uh, including me, again, several of our data journalists from across the country, um, and producers and editors uh, with our core unit uh, with the ABC-owned television station. Uh, and we began requesting data that had never before been released to the public in terms of uh, home appraisal data. And of course, requesting interviews with all of the key policymakers, everyone from uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, who uh, actually spoke at the rollout of those uh, Biden-Harris administration initiatives to tackle appraisal bias, uh, to the HUD Secretary, Marsha Fudge, uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, and again, a number of experts in the housing industry. That's that's incredible impact that uh, your reporting has had. I mean, you got the attention of the president of the United States, the vice president, the secretary of housing and urban development and other governmental agencies. So the impact of this reporting was was far reaching, not only in terms of enlightening people, but also making policy and and uh, and making law. That's such a great point, Spencer, because one of the things that I've heard time and time again uh, from folks is we have to talk about this. We have to acknowledge this issue for what it is, these racist housing practices, before we can even begin tackling them. I mean, this has gone underreported for so long because so many families, like we mentioned earlier, didn't feel as though anyone would listen and that they had any recourse. So acknowledgement within the industry and certainly within the administration was the first step in putting this on everyone's radar so we could do something about it. But we have been able to see some actions being taken at the local, state, and federal level. Uh, the California legislature actually passed a law in 2021 as a result of our reporting requiring appraisers to take additional anti-bias training. Uh, that actually takes effect January of 2023. Mm -hmm. uh, so hopefully that will at least enlighten appraisers as to what is right, what is wrong, uh, what constitutes appraisal discrimination. So hopefully we see fewer instances of this happening. Uh, and as we mentioned, you know, we take this all the way to the White House and the halls of Congress, uh, interviewing Congresswoman Maxine Waters, who's authored some legislation uh, to combat appraisal bias. 
Um, yeah. And this has even caught the attention of the Department of Justice, um, who filed a statement of interest on behalf of the Austins from Marin City. That first story we we started our conversation talking about, uh, saying that yes, what they faced was indeed appraisal bias, and yes, appraisers can be held accountable uh, under the Fair Housing Act uh, of 1969. Oh, now that's what I was curious about: that whether they could be held accountable, and if they are, what. Uh, how are they penalized? How are they held accountable? That's a great question. So right now, a lot of it has to deal with whether, well, I'll tell you one example here in California with the Curtises. Uh, their story is one of the stories that we explore in Our America Lowballed uh, here in Oakland, California. They had an appraisal gap difference of $254,000, still an incredible amount of money. Yeah. You, you know, I, I know it's not the half a million dollar amount that the the Austins were shortchanged by, but, it, you know, it, it, it's certainly a huge sum of money that they're going to miss out on being able to pass down to their daughter. Uh, but that appraiser who filed that lowball appraisal in the Curtis family's case uh, was cited, now has to take an additional 46 hours of training to make sure that they are conducting appraisals uh, accurately um, and has also been fined a few thousand dollars. Right. That is what the current parameters for reprimand are when it comes to an appraiser who's been found um, in violation uh, of the appraiser's code of ethics, but also state and federal law. Right. In Congresswoman Maxine Waters' legislation that she has authored, though, she is calling for stiffer penalties. Essentially, she's saying that the appraiser should be on the hook for the appraisal gap. And we talk about that in the documentary. So I'll give you an wow. example. Okay. If we're talking about the Austins in Marin City, half a million dollar difference in appraisals, her legislation is saying that that appraiser should be on the hook for that half million dollar wow. difference. She believes that penalty would be stiff enough to curb some of the discrimination that we're seeing from happening. I, I would think so. I mean, th that's being held accountable. I, you know, I, I'm still amazed, even though you and I both as black men in America have experienced uh, uh, incident, um, instances of racism, but I'm still amazed at some of the um, statistics coming out of your reporting. For example, the anal data analysis found that more than, uh, after looking into what, more than 50 million home loans, um, black neighborhoods are nearly five times more likely to be underappraised than white communities. Homes in black neighborhoods, I should say, homes in black neighborhoods are nearly five times more likely to be underappraised than homes in white communities. That is stunning. It is it is truly a stunning number and it's gut wrenching, but it certainly validated our reporting that the stories that we were telling were not one off incidents. This is truly an insidious issue that has been plaguing our housing market for generations uh, and truly has long legs, Spencer. I mean, as we uh, paint the picture in our documentary, this goes all the way back to redlining, a, a practice that was sanctioned by the federal government, you know, first in the 1930s. And here we are almost 100 years later, and we're still seeing the issues today. Uh, just to show you an extreme example that we found in our uh, data analysis, again, of more than 50 million home loans, that homes are up to 30 times, 3-0, 30 times more likely to be lowballed in the poorest black and brown neighborhoods than in the wealthiest white neighborhoods. So as we talk about the ends of the economic spectrum, we layer uh, race on top of that, we see even larger disparities. And again, as we've been discussing, Spencer, yeah. we know that this can truly affect 
your ability to create intergenerational wealth, right. to send your kids to college, yeah. to take out the money perhaps uh, from the equity of your home that you would like to use to start a business. I mean, these are the keys that allow us to unlock the American dream. And when your home isn't being valued for what it should be, you're essentially being cheated out of that American dream. And we hope this reporting will illuminate this, will create a, a great basis starting point, but more importantly, will lead to action. Well, you, you have truly done some illuminating reporting on this. I've, I've seen some of it. I can't wait to watch the rest. But just uh, so our listeners will know, where and when can they tune in to see this documentary? Well, we are so excited for everyone to be able to see Our America Lowballed starting on December 2nd. It'll be streaming on Hulu and the ABC7 News 24-7 streaming apps and on demand. Uh, so please do stream it there uh, and catch it when it airs on KGO, ABC7 News. We also should point out, Spencer, uh, all information about the documentary and, again, those resources to help people file complaints or take action mm -hmm. if they believe that they've been lowballed in an appraisal. You can find that on the website for the documentary. That's lowballed.abc. Lowballed.abc. You'll be able to see the trailer there. Uh, you'll be able to get links to watch the documentary and get all of that information you need to file those necessary complaints. That's, that's great, Julian. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. And congratulations on some remarkable reporting. I, I can't wait to dive deeper into this topic with you in our next episode. Uh, so be sure to stick around, our listeners. Be sure to stick around for that. It's coming up next. Thank you to our guest for joining us today, and thank you for listening. After the Weather is a product of ABC7. Be sure to subscribe, and if you liked our program, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. We'll talk to you next time. Take care.